0: You are listening to the ASN Kidney News Podcast. Nephrology blogs are an increasingly popular way to learn online. In this episode, ASN counselor Ronald Falk, MD Fasson, interviews Connell O'Shea and Matt Sparks, editors of the Renal Fellow Network, and Kanar Javeri, MD Fasson, editor of Nephron Power. They discuss blogging and its intersection with online learning. You can read their blogs at the URL addresses mentioned in this episode or by viewing the ASN Facebook page, where ASN provides an updated feed of entries from the most popular renal blogs.
1: This is Ron Falk from the American Society of Nephrology. Today we have three different individuals who all are involved with online learning of one kind or the other. I'm gonna ask that they introduce themselves starting with Matt Sparks.
2: Hi, I'm Matt Sparks. I'm a fourth year Nephrology Fellow at Duke
1: University. And all.
3: Hi, I'm Connell O'Shea. I'm a fourth-year Renal Fellow at um, Harvard Medical School, working in Massachusetts General Hospital and Brigham and Women's Hospital. I'm also a researcher in the Framingham Heart Study, and I'm the editor of Renal Fellow Network.
1: uh, Now, both of you are doing things with the Renal Fellow Network. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct.
1: And can you tell us, before we go any further, how people can get on the Renal Fellows Network? What's the URL? Yeah, it's
3: renalfellow.blogspot.com.
1: We have another editor of Nephron Power. Uh, Kanar, can you introduce yourself, please?
4: Yes, my name is Kanar Javeri. I'm uh, actually assistant professor of medicine at the Hofstra North Shore L.I.J. School of Medicine, and uh, I have a personal interest in um, innovative teaching tools in nephrology and education, and one of them is using online techniques. My blog's address is www.nephronpower.com. So how did
1: any one of you get involved with these online approaches. Kanar, when did you start yours?
4: I started actually uh, in attending when I just graduated after a fellowship and actually was very inspired by the Reno Fellow Network, which was already an ongoing resource and a good resource when I was a fellow in training at Cornell. And that kind of inspired me to create my own blog and uh, you know, do online blogging. Matt, Kanar, how did you start?
2: I started blogging after I met Nate Hellman at the uh, first fellows course for Renal Fellows at Mount Desert Island. He asked me to help join the blog, which uh, I finally did in March of last year after Nate passed away. I joined up with Connell.
3: Connell. Yeah, um, Nate Nate started the Renal Fellow Network almost exactly three years ago and um, single-handedly maintained it for 18 months posting every day on a different nephrology topic. Um, I joined the blog um, about uh, in September 2009. The two of us worked together on it until um, he died unexpectedly in February of last year. Um, And after his tragic death, there was a huge outpouring of grief, but also of support for the blog, and that encouraged me to um, continue it. And Matt came on board, and since then we've gradually recruited um, more and more writers, and the blog has continued to grow since
1: that time. Um, Tell me about the Reno Fellows Network. What, how do you pick what subjects you're going to describe and discuss?
3: So the approach is um, it's really whatever interests the writer. Um, we, I try and encourage new writers to, when they learn something interesting, when they encounter a, a stimulating clinical case, when they do some background reading and stumble upon something that kind of you know, gets them interested, that rather than keep that to themselves, that they sit down and spend a few minutes writing it up in a form of a post where it can be viewed by a lot of people and maintained uh, for posterity also. So in some ways, the the writing is ad hoc, but it manages to cover the full gamut of nephrology topics just by the way it pans out.
1: So how how do you do your blog and what uh, thoughts govern what transpires on nephron power?
4: Well, basically, it's uh, sort of what Connell said. It's uh, what you sort of what I read that day, perhaps, in a journal, or something that I encountered uh, clinically, or something a discussion we had with the fellows you know, at uh, consult rounds or a journal club that kind of inspires you to write. It really is a sort of um, which I call which could be a, a blogger's bias, for you, if you may, because there might be certain people interested in just writing about glomerular stuff, some on dialysis. So there is a component of bias there, but it's uh, sort of like taking notes and sharing those notes with everyone, so that everyone can learn from it. We have to be a little bit careful in terms of primary or secondary data on there.
1: What generates then the satisfaction of doing this uh, in your daily life, Kinar? What what drives you to wake up in the morning and start blogging?
4: I think just curiosity about nephrology and the vast degree of you know knowledge that's out there and what we have to keep up with, and it's just. It it's keeps my day going. It's, uh, it's a stress reliever almost. <laughs> Matt, how about you?
2: Oh, exactly what Kenar said. I think whenever I'm seeing an interesting patient or sometimes I will read a journal article, either basic science or clinical, I feel like I can research the topic in more depth. And when I post about it, it's something I don't forget. And plus, I get feedback from people all around the United States and the world even.
1: How do you decide whether what somebody's the feedback is accurate or or inaccurate? How do you edit the blog?
2: Well, any comment that comes to Renal Fellow Network gets sent to me via email, and I will review that comment. Oftentimes there are spam blogging where people will comment, and it's basically an advertisement. Those are immediately deleted from the site.
1: It must occupy for all three of you a fair amount of time. How much time in a day do you spend doing this, do you think?
4: 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, really? That's- I mean, it, because a lot of it, the research has been done while you're discussing, say, the topic with your fellows, and you kind of have kind of generating an idea of what you want to write. And so when it comes down to actually writing, it doesn't take that long. It's sort of what exactly you want to write about is the idea generation that takes maybe days. And uh, if it's something that interests maybe uh, to me or one of my fellows, we we write about it.
1: Do you think this is... Uh, the way that learning is going to be disseminated in the future, not to mention just now?
2: Yes, I do. I think many of the journals are going in this direction. For instance, PLOS One is a way that the journal is now publishing only online and having instant comments about the research. And I think our form of discussion is very similar. You'd be surprised that almost... All the comments made on posts are thought out, they're good questions, and we hardly see any people posting just to post.
1: Who do you think is the optimal learner for this, though?
2: I think the fellow, the resident, the medical student are optimal for this form of medium. And the reason I I say that is because... Instead of going to a textbook and looking up something, you can be exposed to new topics without necessarily seeking them out.
4: But I think it also engages a discussion that is very, very important, and it can, can raise good research questions for investigators who are looking at these blogs. There's actually a microRNA blog. There's actually a New England Journal blog. There are a lot of blogs that raise questions um, by people who are doing research in this and can give other investigative ideas to collaborate. So it it goes far beyond just the residents and fellows. I think it can be a very international effort uh, to get investigators together.
1: So do you think that these blogs are good ways of getting medical students more interested in the field of nephrology?
4: Yes, definitely. I think this is one of the ways that I think medical students will get interested because it's out there. It's something that because a lot of them are Googling information, and when you Google and when you uh, search for information, you find some of these blogs, you stumble upon them, and then the medical students realize that, wow, the fellows are doing this. It seems like an exciting field, a lot of interest, a lot of excitement, enthusiasm generated through these blogs. It can create the interest uh, of nephrology through these mediums. How do you think I mean, medical students learn best in general? I mean, I think medical education
3: is in a real period of transition. Uh, personally, I can't remember the last time I opened a medical textbook. Um, and when I was coming through, I think up-to-date would have been one of the big ways in which you accessed information. In some ways, that may be a little dated now, and I find these days what I most would use for education would be accessing original articles on the go and then accessing blogs which kind of keep me topped up with topics of interest. Um, And I think medical education needs to move with these changes Um, and the interactive nature of blogs and other web 2.0 type media is one of their most appealing strengths and I think it's something that is just part of the day-to-day vocabulary of medical students and it's the way education I think needs to move.
1: Do you think that Google has a role in this or other online search uh, engines?
3: Yeah, well, I, I certainly rely very heavily on Google. I think it's it's a very quick – I find it faster, let's say, than even PubMed to find a particular article or, or to search up a, a specific topic. Yeah, So I find it an invaluable resource.
2: So I think you? I wanted to point out one uh, thing about the blog posts, is that almost all of the blog posts will have links to original articles that the blogger has researched and you can always go back to refer to the original studies
4: i think to keep in mind about medical students is not everyone is a linear learner there are different types of learners and we're so used to this kind of traditional ways of teaching and i think we have to kind of be you know educated about the different types of learners medical students are and in this day and age there's so many mediums to you know to to kind of target the nonlinear learners, the ones that might use websites, might use podcasts, might use other tools to kind of educate themselves and still do well on tests and be good doctors. Sure. They don't have to be traditional lectures. How would you tell the ASN,
1: what advice would you give the ASN to be able to use this kind of learning more effectively?
4: I think ASN has already moved forward with a lot of the, uh, you know, Facebook presence has a lot of, uh, you know, blogging aggregators that ASN Kidney News is doing and kind of using some of these blogging media towards attracting uh, medical students and residents to nephrology. But um, in terms of maybe more sort of educational advice to program directors and uh, you know the leaders in education to sort of food, uh, sort of sort out uh, other. Uh, educational tools that might be helpful in uh, getting more attraction from residents and fellows uh, to continue the enthusiasm in nephrology. Do you think there should be a Kidney Week
1: blog that blogs all the way through Kidney Week?
4: That's actually a very good idea. And I think a lot of the blogs have been doing that in the past, too. Right, Matt? I mean, this uh, this right. has been uh, online blogging has become one of the ways of um, uh, kind of on constant learning through conferences and live conferences. And uh, one of the classic ones is Bill Peckham's blog, who, you know, he blogs about the entire dialysis conference um, almost every year.
2: And I enjoy listening to the podcasts at Renal Week last year in Denver.
4: Were those useful? Like-
2: I think they were because I would go to a few of the conferences uh, and then come back to my hotel room and listen to the day summary from you guys from ASN and gave me an idea of some of the things that I missed.
1: How do you think the ASN should do this throughout the year then? Should we keep on doing podcasts? Should we uh, participate with uh, blogs? What's your advice?
2: My advice would be to try to engage the bloggers give them access to ASN Kidney Week, giving interviews to some of the prominent nephrologists so that their experiences can be disseminated throughout the entire United States and the world, and giving them a way to understand how they came to like nephrology. I think that would that would be a, a good thing to do all year round, and I think ASN is on the way with this, these podcasts that we have now.
1: Should there be podcasts then of blogs?
2: I think they can be incorporated into blogs. For instance, at the American College of Cardiology, the Duke Cardiology Fellows had a video blog throughout the entire weekend, updated all the relevant clinical happenings there, and that's something that we could easily do at ASN, and I think a fellow is a perfect person to do these because they're at a situation where they're undifferentiated and have interest in many different areas.
1: How can we use the media that you are all involved in in making nephrology interesting to other disciplines, to internists, to
4: family practitioners, to cardiologists? Gennar, how would you pull that off? We have to really go to to their conferences. So for instance, for medical students, we have to get to the medical school and really get the medical students interested to get onto these websites or uh, To the podcast and somehow advertise these things to the other disciplines to actually that they know about this and show that look we're doing these great stuff and you know we can disseminate information this way and uh, get interested you know nephrology uh, information out there. I mean that's the we have to get to them uh, because they're not going to come looking for this and that's. The only way it's going to be integrating this through other associations like the AMA, perhaps at the ACP, or, um, you know, any of the general internal medicine associations.
2: There already is a good online community with, for instance, the palliative care folks. We were involved in a competition to see who had the best blog, and so we had some friendly discussions back and forth where they offered for us to post on their site some nephrology-specific palliative care topics, and vice versa. And I think there's definitely potential to have some cross-talk between these disciplines uh, via blogs. They're easily easily accessed, and they're fairly easy to understand in small snippets instead of a long, 10-page article on a topic.
3: I mean, I think the, the lifeblood of the blog and really what makes it happen is enthusiasm for the subject. Right. I mean, e- each blog post is driven um, by something that has been seen that caused it, that was stimulated interest. It got someone out of their seat and got them to get up and write about something they saw. So it, at its heart, it's, it's driven by enthusiasm for nephrology.
1: All of you are making a difference in what you do day to day and with this uh, learning tool. How would you apply what you're doing to patient education? And if you look on the web, if you look at printed material, some of it is outstanding and some of it is really pretty out of date. Is a patient education blogging event, do you think patients would go there and listen and learn?
2: Definitely. Yes. A patient population is actually fairly frequent to the Renal federal Network. Not only do we have fellows, attendings, medical students, residents, nurses, patients and they frequently uh post on the site as well, uh, comments to blog posts and many times these are very very relevant to the discussion.
1: And do you answer those uh, questions as they come up?
2: Majority of the times the questions are in general, they're not really patient specific questions. They might have something to say about the topic in general but in um our policy is not to give patient specific advice but we mainly talk about different aspects of nephrology
3: it's, i think it's really important as nephrologists that we have that we populate these online spaces with good information and that we are participating in this online discussion to you know maintain the quality of the of the information that's being disseminated because as you say there's so much poor quality information on the internet, it behooves us to, you know, to have a strong voice in that arena.
4: At the same point, I think we have to be careful uh, because there are patients who are looking at these websites, and sometimes we might not have primary data up there. These are opinions of the blogger, and we have to link it, like Matt said, to the primary data and, you know, have their physician take care of them, and the blog should not be taking care of them, and that's very, very important.
2: Our our websites never give out patient advice. Um, It it mainly is a discussion about topics relevant to nephrology and any aspect of medical care.
1: Yeah. Fast forward five years from now. Actually, fast forward 10 years from now. You're all sitting here having a similar conversation in uh, 2021. What's the learning media then?
3: I mean, I think the transition or the interface between what is online and what is offline will will probably disintegrate and disappear entirely, Um, enter a period where um, information is uh, updated in real time and the internet will – constant connectivity to the internet will become
4: uh, a reality for most people. Um, So that's how I see things progressing. I don't think there'll be any journals, there'll be any text journals anymore. They'll be all online by that time. Um, and I think all the research might be all published directly online. It's almost like a live, um, ongoing research project. And um, a lot of these discussions, like Connell said, will be all happening online. Will uh, be, I think it'll be great for collaboration for a lot of people.
1: Will they be online in two dimensions or will they be online in three dimensions? In other words, will it be Uh, Posts, or will it all be uh, video events? In other words, live interactions?
4: I think it'll be both. I mean, it could be a mix of things.
1: How is one going to be able to filter out in a day to day life all of that information, which many of us are already getting to on our various phones? What's the filter?
2: I think this is an important question and something that we have to grapple with on our website. Renal Fellow Network has almost 900 posts now, and we really haven't come up with a strategy with deleting outdated material or material that has changed. And as time goes on, more and more information is put onto the Internet, and some of which is going to change, and I think that's going to be a challenge of the next several years.
1: And if it's happening in real time, then the editing has to happen in real time as well. One could imagine uh, a War of the Worlds kind of event, the H.G. Wells analogy that that created panic on the basis of a movie. If things are all occurring real time and uh, some untoward comment occurs, one could actually do harm.
3: In, in, in a way, um, what we've experienced on Renal Fellow Network is that there is um, a kind of an ongoing editing process at, at play. Um, we All of our posts, as well as being referenced, they also have a comment bar, which if, apart from if people, on the one hand, people may type a measured comment, but we encourage people even just to click whether they like something, whether they find it controversial, you know, and we can get a, a sense from every post as to whether or not it's... Um, I suppose, chiming with the mainstream view or whether it's viewed as something that may, may be a little controversial. And as a result, I think there's a an inherent quality control in that um, uh, with each post you know, getting rated in real time by every reader that passes through it. And that kind of system, which is also a little bit at play in websites like Wikipedia, which are kind of edited in real time too – that has value. It may not be as good as peer review, but it's it's better than it, 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 it's something that needs to be developed, I think.
2: I think all yeah, I don't the editors,
3: there are any, but
2: I think all of the editors Serenal fellow network to some degree peer review posts that occur so that uh will read the article and when a new blogger comes into the site They go through one of the editors before they post anything, and once they've had about five or six posts, then we give them the freedom to post without going through an editor, but we still edit on the back end in case anything um, is controversial or we don't feel is appropriate for the website.
1: Kinnar, what do you think 2021 is going to look like?
4: I mean, I think there might be by that time a nephrology wiki, and which is sort of like a Wikipedia of nephrology that might be run by sort of nephrologists who are prominent in that subspecialty and kind of edit some of that information. I mean, I don't know, Matt, we had looked at some of this. Um, you can comment. There's it. not much out there in nephrology wikis. The only is Medpedia has a component that's nephrology, but really nothing specific. And, you know, I think some of this can be sort of carnivaled into uh you know creating a wiki for nephrology
2: uh, i will say one thing to defend nephrologists in that era, in that uh, mode of delivering information we do have a considerable number of nephrology websites and i think that speaks to why we all chose nephrology because we're all passionate about learning teaching and understanding
1: these conditions
2: So we are kind of on the forefront of this new
1: media. And that is a wonderful place to stop this most interesting conversation. The current state of uh, understanding of how learning is going to occur now and 10 years from now really gives some of us who are somewhat older than the three of you a little bit of pause, although I think many of us are trying to hurriedly catch up to where the current learning curve is going. I want to thank each one of you for the time that you've spent today. Uh, This is Ron Falk for the American Society of Nephrology. Thanks so much.
0: This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice.